Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, Cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch Detective Radio for today's date, August 8th, 2010. And a uh, heck of a show lined up for you tonight. Uh, I'm your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective, Steve Colt, along with the one and the only, Big G. Hey, Steve. How are you this evening? Oh, let me tell you, we got standing room only here in the studio tonight, packed wall to wall. How's your studio doing tonight? Quiet the way I like it. Quiet the way you like it. What'd you do? Close it in the my studio? Are, are you kidding? I put the beware a dog sign up. And... Uh, yeah, that's exactly what you did. There you go. All right. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna babble too much here. Well, maybe I will. I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Well, I think tonight's topic is Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yes. Wow. Looking forward to that one. That should be a good one. Anywho, um, tonight, of course, we have our special guest on tonight, Beth, and uh, Beth is from Pacific Northwest. From the Pacific Northwest, um, and uh, let's bring her on. How are you tonight, Beth? Oh gosh, I'm doing great. Thank you, thank you for having me on today, or this evening, or your evening, your time. This is my afternoon, actually five o'clock. So beautiful and warm and sunny, and it's great. Very cool. <clears throat> All right, well, let's let's get down to the the fun stuff. And of course, uh, you, you've had uh, uh, how many sightings, Beth? Well, I've had. Um, uh, three sightings, actually. One um, daytime sighting, one with a thermal, 
Um, and one uh, nighttime sighting, and all three uh, sightings had been with other people too. So it wasn't just myself um, experiencing this. Awesome. Now, yeah. why don't you, uh, why don't we, we jump into the daytime sighting? Um, okay. Uh, yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Well, um, I probably first should uh, share that. Um, I have a, a real dear friend of mine um, named Scott, who I've known for almost 20 years, and he um, had an experience himself back in, I believe, 06. He's a hunter, and he was out um, deer hunting, and he came across a real bad smell, a scream that he said the hair stuck out on the back of his neck, and then saw something climbing up uh, a hill. And he went straight to the computer when he got home, Googled, found um, an organization, listened to the screams and the hollers, and he said, that was what I heard. So soon after that, he got a hold of me, and knowing Scott and uh, honest as the day is long, I just went, oh, okay, you know, I really hadn't given it much thought, Sasquatches or no Sasquatches, um, during that period of um, growing up. And so... I just thought, great, and he invited me to an expedition in 07 to Utah. Um, Nothing really happened other than it was a great road trip and meeting a lot of neat, wonderful people who have become dear friends of mine. And then, um, and during that time between 07 and 08, we, um, the two of us would go out and scouting around areas. He started um, uh, taking on reports and going and talking to witnesses, and I would, um, he'd call me up, and I'd tag along with him. So there was an expedition up near where I live, and I said, uh, he asked me if I wanted to go, and, and I said, yeah, that would be great. Went on the expedition, had a great time. It's not far from where I live, um, where this took place. The following month, um, a group of the, the people wanted to get back together at the same location. And um, Scott and I, you know, I said, yeah, you're great. So we went ahead and we were getting close to the location. A month earlier, people had, um, a couple of the people from our group had spotted a Sasquatch going across the, the skid road close to our uh, base camp. And at 6 o'clock in the evening, well, in Washington, six o'clock on you know is still daylight in uh, August and September. I mean, real good daylight, unlike um, the lower um, states. And you know, he just jokingly said, "Oh, what the heck? I'm just going to get my camera out." And of course, you know, 2020 hindsight. Today, I should have been the one holding the camera. <laughs> I should have had it on you know video, and just for the you know chuckles of it all. Well. Uh, and I, you know, it's that thing of what it could have, should have. So we come around the corner and we're driving um, slowly down the skid road and we're getting up near to where the base camp um, turnoff was. Um, and it was nearing the same time in the after evening, 6 o'clock. And I looked down the road and about 100 yards from us was one going diagonally from left to right. Um, just walking, as you may, no care in the world, right across the road. And I'm, poor Scott, I'm yelling my brother's name. Finally, I get his name, and I'm yelling, take a picture, take a picture. And unfortunately, it got one of those blob swatches, you know. It was the last part of him going in. And when he stopped the rig, I went running up the road, hopefully to find, not not knowing what I was going to do if I found him, but it was just that I thought I wanted to experience more. And um, uh, a gentleman that I had not met yet, um, and Courtney, was just coming around that corner, and he missed seeing the Sasquatch by just a couple minutes. And, and that was my first introduction to Stan, and, and he's become a good friend. Um, and so that was my uh, first daytime sighting. Wow. Now, now, what, what did you? I mean, seeing it with the naked eye in broad daylight—that that is probably mm-hmm. one of the better, one of the the, the, the holy grails of the Bigfoot researcher. <laughs> um, oh my God, yes. Now, now, did 
can you, can you just since you were actually you're a researcher, so you're very attuned. To the, you mm-hmm. know, you're tuned in. You saw it. What did it look like? Um, it was um, extremely large. Uh, that's one of the things that I know. For as far as the distance, large. The the shoulders were very very broad, large. Um, it was um, at an angle. So I just basically got the backside because, like I said, it was going from left to right across the skid road um, in a diagonal manner. And the hair was black, very, very dark. I can't say that it was pure black, but it was just extremely dark. Um, I was so fascinated by the length of the arms. I, I just could not imagine anything with arms that long. And the shoulders and the arms is what got me more than anything. And it, and then the, um, it narrowed to the waist. So I'm, I'm, I could be totally wrong, but I'm assuming it was a male. I didn't notice a huge um, butt on it. Um, and another thing that I noticed, it, it looked like it was gliding. I mean, it was walking. But it was gliding. It was so smooth going across the road. Now, now, uh, short hair, long hair. Um, um, I got the impression that it was um, long um, from the, the head coming down. It appeared to be long. And, and, you know, I've drawn it about four times now. Um, and that's usually what I'll ask a witness. If they've had a sighting, a daytime sighting, draw it. Um, so that you can either add to it or take away, but at least you have that picture. And, and that's what I keep drawing always is the, the length of the hair is just was really long. Um, and when I say long, maybe about, and again, you know, this was from a distance. It just appeared how long, I can't really tell you, Steve, but, you know, maybe about five inches coming down the head. But um, yeah, and it was and it was coned, definitely. But it was extremely dark, and again, had no care in the world. Had to have known we were coming. <laughs> you didn't, know? didn't even nope. bother. Didn't even bother to look at you. Just, just no. The sucker didn't bother turning his head. I wanted to see the face. <laughs> no, I'm I'm thrilled with what I have. I'm thrilled with what I got to see, um, and. You know, and people, they, they ask me, well, what did you feel? Excitement. I, I was so excited, the rush that went inside of me, and it was like this new passion was born. Um, and uh, for those that have, um, you know, it's hard for me to explain this to my family. <laughs> my my adult children, um, you know, all of a sudden their mother's now running off into the woods <laughs> looking for <laughs> something to <pretty. laughs> And, and you know, they, they pat me and say, well, Mom's happy. We're happy, you know. But um, it's it's an indescribable uh, feeling, at least for me. Uh, you know, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, it, it was it's a very indescribable sensation of I want to know more. I just want to yep. know more. What so, did you see through the thermal? Um, the thermal? The thermal was, I'm sorry, pardon? No, 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 go ahead, I'm sorry. Was that your question, Gary? Yeah, what was? The, what did you see in the thermal? What type of uh, image, and can we get more about that experience using the thermal? Yes, um, we were, um, it was the following year, last um, August, um, same type of expedition, and I was um, camping with um, some friends of mine. We were up near a ridge area, and there was um, – we weren't right on the road. We were off the beaten path um, in our tents. And it, we had night vision and thermal. Unfortunately, we did not have – the thermal hooked up to a recorder. So, again, it's one of those great stories. It's not the hard evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, uh, we were sitting there with the night vision and thermal just horsing around. By now, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. We were, 
getting pretty tired, and we had done our night walks. Um, when we got back, we were just sitting around um, our tents, um, just sitting in a circle, just visiting, and we were watching the mice running across, running around our tents uh, through the thermal. We were getting our chuckles, you can tell. So I had the night vision, and one of the guys um, got up and started walking away. And it, by now, it was, for those of you who are not familiar with the Pacific Northwest, it can become extremely foggy at night, misty, very misty. And the, uh, I had a, uh, he was using a Gen 3, and it wasn't working uh, very well at all because of the light, obviously, because you need some light. So I put that down, and we were all standing. Uh, it was three of us, and pretty soon one was um, the one gentleman was looking down uh, the pathway, and he said, oh, my gosh, I just saw something. And he was describing what he saw, and then the next he handed it over to the next gentleman. I wish I'd been in the middle. Handed it over to the next gentleman, and he then got to see the waist up. It stood up. It was in a, a burn. Uh, uh, it was standing in a ditch, a really deep ditch, and it was looking up over it. And the um, it was it had moved its head and it was looking straight at this person. And by this time, you know, I was going, "What well, can I see?" So when he handed the thermal to me, it had bent back down again, and I was watching it moving the head of it just the, from like the eyes up, um, moving, um, swaying back and forth. Um, it was down, squatting down in the burn. And it was um, very fascinating. And the one thing about thermals, you can't really tell distance, whereas night vision you can. And that's the only, for me personally, that's the one thing I don't like. So it was hard for me to judge the distance until the following morning and when we walked over um, to check out the area. So that's what I saw. And, and again, it was misty and pitch black, and all of a sudden this humongous, uh, not humongous, but this extraordinary white heat source, and it's it's slowly moving back and forth, and, you know, and that's what I saw, just from, like, the nose up. And then pretty soon it put its head down, and it was gone, totally gone. And it was right around a corner of the bend in the pathway. So what you're saying, so what you're saying, it actually took the low ground to get out of there. Correct. Correct. Yeah, these um, um, it it was a pretty wide path. I would say probably um, ten feet wide, and it, the the pathway went really far back, and and. What they have done is, you know, push up dirt so that people can't, you know, drive their cars, and so they keep pushing up dirt. And um, there, there were some really deep dugout holes with the dirt pushed up bank embankments, and that's where he was down. And I guess that's considered a burn. You know, this is – I'm so new into all of this field that I'm, I'm still learning the lingo. <laughs> I want uh, hey, hey, Big G. Yes. What's the difference between a berm and a holler? Hey. A shave. <laughs> berm and shave. No, what's the difference between a berm and a holler? A berm and a holler. Hmm. I don't know, a valley? I have no idea myself. But, no, a berm is, like, a, berm is a ditch, and uh, a holler is like <laughs> a... Uh, I believe it's a ditch with uh, a ditch with bushes in it, <laughs> but I could be wrong. So if there's anybody out there, give us a call in. Let us know. <laughs> but uh, very very interesting. Now, when you you check the distance out, how far away were you from it? Because you said the next day you're you're kind of right. Um, actually, it was probably um, fifty feet, so it wasn't nice. that far away. And I mean, it was watching you guys. Now, during the night, did you guys hear anything, suspect anything else going on, hear footsteps, any of that stuff? Um, not where we were, no. Mm-mm. Okay. No. But we had we had done our, our walking, and unfortunately, um, there was a group of kids that had come on up, and 
were, well, maybe it was fortunate. Who knows? You know, but I've always, I've always checked out areas where the kids are partying, and there's always something that's going on that somebody's willing to talk about. So they are definitely fascinated by the late night party parties on the weekends around here. Um, so we had a bunch of kids that were bringing pallets and burning them that night as we were doing our night walk. Um, and so we kind of stopped that one short and just um, was talking with the group of people and then just, again, just going and where we were sitting at, the sky uh, was just gorgeous and the nighttime sky was gorgeous until the, the mist came in. But, um, no, there really wasn't anything... Um, like I said, we were just watching the mice. Gotcha. Wow. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. You know, I know. <laughs> I, I've, I mean, I, I've been there, and it's just amazing. Uh, and uh, So what is it, and we'll get into your third sighting, but i got a real good question. What has it done for you? I mean, what, what, what does it change about the views of the world and stuff like that with you? Oh, my goodness. You know, uh, I, I laugh because, you know, just recently I was sharing with somebody that um, I don't want to say Pandora's box. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I wasn't looking, you know, for this. This just kind of fell into my, my lap. And this door has been opened. Um, maybe it's like Alice in Wonderland. Who knows, you know. Uh, the key to the little door and you drink the potion and you get tiny... Anyway, I apologize. I'm running, running around here. Um, it, it, you just, I walked into this door, and everything's, the colors are totally different than they are on the outside of that door. Um, it's changed who I am um, and, and what I do now, and, and even what I believe. I believe the world is no longer so black and white, there's so much gray to it. Um, Listening to people's stories, visiting and talking with witnesses, um, having um, stories that you hear from one person from one area and a story from another person from another area, and they're both both correct. I mean, they're the same story, but they wouldn't know each other, nor would they have been talking to anybody. Oh, great diesel. I apologize, people. I'm at a Starbucks uh, south of Portland. I couldn't get home because the traffic is so bad. Um, so it's, uh, it's enriched my life. Um, and I, the people that I've met have just been phenomenal. Um, meeting uh, Bob Gimlin and talking with him and enjoying his company Tom Yamaro. Right, let's hold the Bob Gimlin and, and Tom okay. Yamaro and stuff for a second because we'll get okay. to that. And, and um, let's get to your third experience, and then we'll get into some questions from the audience, and then okay. we'll get into the Bob Gimlin stuff. So, okay, the the third sighting was again at um, an expedition. Um, we were, it was, uh, like I said, during a, a night time, uh, we were doing a walk with a group of people and we were still in the mode of gathering the people from, um, uh, from different campgrounds. We were spread out, uh, and this was over in the Cascades. And when... The most when the group of people finally got there and, and we were talking and, and talking about what we were planning on doing, um, walking down the road and having getting our radios all checked and things like that, and somebody said, well, you know, hey, there's a couple of people coming up the road yet, and you know, so we're you know we're we're kind of paying attention. It's not pitch black yet. Um, this was in June of last year, and so it's pretty light. I mean, here we have twilight at 10 o'clock at night. And so it was probably about 10.30, so you could still see outlines of people. And so I looked down the road, and somebody, hi, 
somebody, you know, was saying, I don't think those are people. And, um, and so I started walking towards them and just to see, you know, who they were and then noticed that they were not people. Um, I didn't get a, a very good view because, again, it was getting dark, but I could tell one was short and one was tall. The short one was kind of squatty. Um, and I then bent down on one knee and I began talking to them. I, you know, and distance-wise, again, you know, this is maybe 100 feet, you know, probably maybe even farther. I admire men. They know their footage and yardage. I don't. So for me to say distance, it's, you know, I'm learning, um, definitely learning. Um, and so I got down on one knee. I wanted to show submission and continue talking to them. And I had the strangest experience happen. All of a sudden, this light flashed next to my right shoulder, and I I looked, and then when I looked back down the road, they were gone. And then somebody behind me had his night vision, and he saw the light, and he said it just like it just burst through the sky. It was so bright. And they were gone. Hey. Yeah. Amazing. It was amazing. I still shake my head and go, I don't know what that's about. Ah. But, yeah, so... You know, on all these occasions, there has been, you know, fortunately, there's been other people. Unfortunately, it's not been, you know, recorded. Um, you know, everybody's going, well, didn't you have a camera ready? Didn't you have this? And you you just go, oh, my goodness, you're so in awe and amazed of what's going on. Um, I didn't have the, um, that is the three, Gen 3 that I did have and was using um, with the camera wasn't working that night, and they were actually looking at trying to fix it and see if it was the batteries or whatever, and so I didn't have it in my hands, and um, so that's just how those things happen. Right. Um, okay. Uh, did you ever try to find out what the, the source of the light was, or it was from the sky, correct? It was probably a good two feet from my shoulder. It was right next to me. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that light was. I know people were seeing orbs up there. Um, I don't know if it because of where the location, electricity-wise. I know people's car batteries were having a hard time. They would die up there. You know, so energy, the energy source... I'm I'm not familiar with that. I'm I, you know I don't have a physics um, degree in that type of area. I do know that we have talked to a great many people and nobody seems to understand what that could be. I your guess is good as mine. I imagine you've heard stories in that respect also. So what would you think it is? Not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't know. I, I couldn't say. I mean, it was it was it possible that there was a trail cam in the area? No, okay. no. And uh, yes, because you can see. I've used trail cams before, and and you can see it flash, especially if you're using night vision. You can see the flash. Gotcha. So, uh, and uh, when are we taking calls? A question just asked. You can call in now. Our phone number is 347-996-5800. And, um, and um, well, do you, i, I got to ask this. Do you, do you mm-hmm. think Bigfoot beamed up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I... You know, I've heard of those stories where all of a sudden they've just disappeared. We've looked for prints uh, the next uh, the next day, even that night. Was it that night? Oh, my gosh, the days just run together anymore. Uh, but we did look for prints and found nothing. Well, in the snow, there was still snow up there, actually. Um, we'd had a really harsh winter, and it was, it was melting. Um, so the ground was soggy, but 
We found no prints. And well. as for the lights, I I have no idea. I do All know right. that people have talked about um, metal uh, sounds, things like that, machinery sounds, and Beth, well, I don't know. Beth, yes, sir. Beth, we have a caller. Let me get the caller online. And okay. uh, caller, caller from the 715 area code, you're on Squatch Detective Radio. Hey, good evening, Steve and Beth. This is Shane. Uh, how are you both doing tonight? Hi, hey, Shane. How, how are you? Oh, we're doing pretty good, pretty good. Um, Beth, actually, uh, I had a couple of things. One I kind of wanted uh, your opinion on, and the other one was a question. Uh, sure. First, uh, um, I'll get your opinion on one thing. Um, there was a, recently a woman came contact, contacted me with her and her husband. Uh, we're out on a camping trip, and um, they were out there camping out for about a good week. And uh-huh. they, she, they believed. I mean, she's convinced she saw a Sasquatch. Her husband thinks it was some hermit or meth lab guy or whatever you want to call him. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what was interesting, some of the details that she explained to me is um, what, just before the encounter took place, be, you know, obviously there, being out there a while, you get you start to smell a little bit, and she's one of these kind of kind of, kind of nature-type women, but more of she didn't like the whole smell kind of dirtiness mm-hmm. thing along with it. Mm-hmm. Well, she had mentioned to me that she had sprayed some perfume on herself um, to kind of ease it a little bit, and they decided shortly thereafter to go walking down this trail and just listen to the sounds. And it was probably about 8 o'clock in the evening, and about three minutes after they left their campsite, this, she don't, I mean, she said this thing just walked right across the, the trail in front of them. The trail mm-hmm. is probably about four feet wide, pretty clear trail. And uh, she said she recalled that the wind or the breeze, they were going downhill to like into a ravine, a shallow ravine, was at their back. So we've been traveling down the trail towards what they saw. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because she commented to me when this thing stopped for a brief couple of seconds, turned and looked at him, and she said the one thing that she could not get out of her mind is it had a look on his face, or the, you know, in her opinion, like, where the heck and who the heck are you? Like, almost like it didn't know they were there. And she said, you know, being in a state that's very heavily populated with bears, we mm-hmm. learn not to be extremely quiet, to make some sort of noise, to kind of, you know what I mean? And I thought it was interesting. It's like, you know, we we make so many claims that their sense of smell and their hearing and their eyesight is so keen. Mm-hmm. But what strikes me as odd, for she, you know, the fact that she obviously had a strong scent of perfume. What she saw was downwind from them, and they weren't being quiet. You would think something had such great senses would have mm-hmm. heard them or smelt them and never crossed that trail. And that's what struck me kind of odd. Right. But she, but, she, but she said in her opinion, the only way she could explain it is that the expression, that what she believed was an expression, is like, where the heck did you come from? <laughs> you know, and it immediately disappeared into the tree line. And I thought, that is interesting. And, you know, because, I mean, so many of us, you know, we talk about the cams, why they don't work, and this and that. And I'm like, well, you know, how's, how is something that's supposed to be able to smell or hear trail cams, you know, so easily uh-huh. could be taken by surprise by something that obviously is very strong or really stands out as, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you think? I mean, what is your opinion on that? Um, well, you know, it seems to be the the joke is that if you want to get rid of your Sasquatch, you put up a trail cam. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be the standard. Um, and I did do a food station for six months um, in an area uh, about two hours away from my home, and there was definitely Sasquatch activity. Um, one of the investigators found uh, a trail of footprints from the snow, a track line, mm. I should say, and and also, um, well, you know, I, I how I've explained it before and how I've heard others explain it is, I can go into my um, home and I know it's I know it's something out of place, 
And, you know, and right now, I don't have any little people in my home, so things aren't misplaced unless I did it. But, you know, you know where your uh, TV remote is. Hopefully, you know where your phone is. You know these things. And we're walking into their home, and they've lived there. They know that they know everything. Their senses, I would imagine, would be on alert um, to some extent. And so here, all of a sudden, you're putting an object up on a tree, and uh, there, there it is. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. That is just my opinion. Um, I do know that, you know, Derek Randall does have the picture of the Sasquatch and stuff on his website, um, olympicproject.com, and of the one peering into the camera. Uh, I, I'm not saying it can't happen or won't happen. It just seems like for as many trail cams, and I'm not talking about just uh, the field investigators. I'm talking about the colleges. I'm talking about, you know, parks. Uh, there's so many people, hunters, that have them, and if they were so oblivious, then why don't we have, you know, pictures? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, but again, that's my opinion. I, I, I have nothing to base that on myself. Mm-hmm. Well, see, you know, and you know, what, what? See, I've been myself. I've been trying different techniques to not so much advance the technology that I already have, but more or less apply it in different ways, more or less using the environment to my advantage. Because mm-hmm. what, what something something that really struck me and I never even never even crossed my mind before. And I'd set this one particular cam out and I, I said it what I did was is I, I picked this ridge where um uh one of my family members we believe had an encounter in mm. this particular area. Mm-hmm. What I did was at the top of the ridge where we believe Roughly is where this creature, what we believe, what we believe possibly was a creature, would have crossed. And what I did is I took the cam, mounted it on the ground, upside turned around, so that way if something stepped over the top of the ridge, it basically, it basically would have stepped right over the cam, and more or less in in hoping would have got, and and I hope this nobody gets offended by this, would have basically gotten a groin area picture. You know, because mm-hmm. I thought, well, how could you, I mean, if you got something like that, I mean, it wasn't necessarily wanting to get a growing picture, but I thought just to try something different. Right. You know what I mean? And what was right. interesting, because um, somebody was with us in the group, went around, we took, we separated in different directions to see if we could find any signs, because we were hearing a lot of different vocalizations. And they came up on the backside of this ridge, and they witnessed a coyote marking the camp. And I <laughs> oh, thought, <no>. whoa. <laughs> um, and it's something that never dawned on me. I'm thinking, well, that makes perfect sense. Any territorial animal, if it sees a new object in its territory, and it's, you know, obviously they're always marking, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, that would make sense to me. It's going to mark the cam if it's in, you know, obviously, if it's, especially if it's laying on the ground or close to the ground, right. because they want to ensure that its territory is always covered. And I thought, okay, so if 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 I can find a way to take that to my, or use that to my advantage, the environment, the animals, whatever, because obviously mm-hmm. from what we believe, Bigfoot does the same thing, or we believe they do. They somehow, mm-hmm. they use the environment, the animals to their advantage. So mm-hmm. why not turn the tide on them and use the very thing that they used to survive back on them and see what we mm-hmm. can produce? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we've, we've yeah. for years and years, we've used, the hunters have used, you know, many different animals that we hunt. We've used their senses or, or smells Correct. or whatever against them mm-hmm. to hunt them. Why not do the same with Bigfoot? I mean, it makes it makes sense to me. I mean, I would think anyway. <laughs> and but so, I, but what, I, what would be the sense that you would use? I guess just env- sense in the environment, sense that they would they would be familiar with that would, to to them. It, it'd be kind of like you know you you give a child a nook. It's something they're familiar with. They feel comfort. They're you know they're relaxed. Just something mm-hmm. that they're familiar with. You would just use that and see if maybe that would set them at a more comfort state than alert and see 
maybe they'll make a mistake. Maybe they'll they'll not think twice. You know, kind of like the old saying, "Out of sight, out of mind." Yeah. See, well, you know, I mean, that's you know. Yep. Well, it's always been, you know, it, it, it was Bill Dragon has brought up many, many, a couple of years ago that trail cams don't work because of the noise, the this infrasonic sound they emit, and that myself, my opinion is, is that the animal's most keen sense is its hearing, not its smell, mm-hmm. because because... It's a primate. We know it's a primate because it walks upright. It has a vertical spine. That makes mm-hmm. it a primate by definition. Mm-hmm. Um, and and primates are known not to have that great a sense of smell. And, folks, we have a, yet another caller, so let me get the other oh, caller on. All right. So, And a uh, caller from the 541 area code. You're on Squatch Detective Radio. Hi, this is Julie. I'm a friend of Beth. It took me 40 minutes to find the number to get on here, so I'm just listening. And uh, I was a guest on your show a couple months ago, Steve. Hello, Julie. How are you? Good. Hi, Julie. Good to hear you. Hi. Hi. Anyway, hi, Uh, Beth. Hi, Julie. I'm just listening. She only has a dial-up, so poor thing. She can't get on the Internet. I am in the boonies with dial-up that is frustrating beyond belief, but here I am. So go ahead. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, Julie. Thank you you for putting up Eric's um, website. I appreciate that. You know, go ahead. Uh, You know, I'm I'm looking at these pictures, and uh, as we we speak, and they're they're, they're very fascinating pictures. Mine are five, Steve. Well, if you, well, you know, right. notice something about the pictures, and I'm not speaking of the one, the, the Sasquatch ones, I'm talking about the animals, and that you'll see how the bear, how the deer, how there's certain animals that are just really attracted to the trail. I mean, I have yep. so many pictures of, of animals. One thing that there yes? Hey, Beth, we got well, another caller on the line. I don't want to... Okay, well, well, I just want to, this goes to what you were saying, Steve. One thing they noticed that the cats, the predatory cats, do not notice the trail cam. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's pop on line five. We have 330 area code. You're on Squatch Detective Radio. How are you doing tonight? All right, how are you? Hello. 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 Um, I wanted to make a little uh, comment about the trail cams. I was on last week. How you doing, Steve? Oh, Mr. Hey. How uh, you doing? Hey, how are you? Mr. Longbow's here. And uh, the trail cam, those animals know that trail cam's there. Uh, a lot of times it's just not threatening them. They don't pay attention to it because you'll get like three shots of the deer feeding and then mm-hmm. one, of it look, look, one of it looking straight at it. Um, they know when it's going off. But the thing the guy said about the using the urine, things like that, uh, in my woods experience, when you use urine or some kind of attractant like that, the animal comes in when it gets the scent of that. It's looking for something to be there. Mm-hmm. So they, a lot of times if you're hunting for a, let's say you're hunting for a big buck and you want to use doe urine, uh, doe and estrus urine, which means doe and heat, um, they're looking for that deer to be standing there because they can they can pinpoint where that's coming from. Right. If, you can, if, if a human can smell the size of a postage stamp, a deer can smell the size of a notebook paper. That's how you want to think about it. If the particle that the human can smell right. the size of a postage stamp, that's how much better their, their scent is. So anything attuned to the woods, their scent is such a smell, which we've lost that through evolution mm-hmm. or whatever. Um they're looking for what's going to be there, and they're looking before they get there. So that might be something that would be detrimental because uh, any well, animal is going to catch that wind. They're going to figure out yeah. where it's coming from, and they're going to they're they're looking for it before they get there. And if if what they want is not standing there, they're not mm-hmm. dumb enough to walk on top of it. So well, you know I know that I want well, yeah, the pheromone chips haven't worked. They've been used and used and used. Of course. The pheromone chips you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. I'm, I don't see that. That's this is just my opinion. 
but this mm-hmm. is my opinion. I've been in, in the woods since I was five. I'm 41 years mm-hmm. old now. Um, I've tried all that crap do, as far as deer hunting goes, making calls. Uh, pr- I do predator hunting. I hunt coyotes. Um, the coyote knows exactly where that call is coming from, exactly mm-hmm. where that scent's coming from. That's why you only call for about 20 seconds on a certain volume and you shut it off. Right. Because they're coming in and what you you don't get a five foot shot at a coyote. Um, you get a hundred yard shot at a coyote because they're out there looking in that direction or a deer is uh, 50 yards off scent checking the area and going with the wind, the wind currents and they're checking to see where yep. that is at. If they don't see what they want to see there, they're out of there. They're not mm-hmm. going to stick around. Because they know something's amiss. If that's not standing there where they want it to be, they're gone. Well, you know that's that's interesting, and and I partially agree with you. But see, I will, uh, you know, I wanted to bring up a touch on a couple things. Um, number one, I mean, you you look at the environment. I mean, obviously, we're as humans, we're not out there twenty four seven. Okay, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that take place that we're not aware of. I mean, there's there's been much talk here of recent about uh, vocalizations that coyotes make that many people weren't even aware of. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of research can put in that. Also, you know, you've got to look at, too, these scents that, you know, we talk about the marking scents, uh, you know, the buck doe, whatever. These are always out there. You know, they're constantly out there because this is always going on. They don't stop doing their whatever they're doing just because, we're not out there. They're consistently doing this. They're consistently marking their territory. So, you know, yes, I understand the fact that they can scent and they're at that moment, depending on the strength of the scent or how fresh it is. So I'm assuming animals can tell how recent that scent was left. I'm assuming they can. And they, you know, it, you know, and no, none of us can say for certain one way or another, how long, that scent lasts. I mean, nobody knows that. I mean, if you go, if a coyote goes and urinates and marks something, we don't know how long that scent lasts and, and what what that's telling, what, what the animal that smells it is thinking, you know. Is it thinking, okay, this is an old scent, I'm safe, I'm okay, just a, you know, mark, marking spot for coyote, whatever. We don't know that. You see what I'm saying? It's well, not, not just a gentleman it's, it's, out of Michigan. That makes synthetic sense. That would dif- would differate on that, uh, be different on an opinion. Um, he has gone into study of olfactory uh, organs and all types of animals. And well, yeah, and but see, but see, um, you but see, the, the olfact that's that's not in question. That's not the question. We're we're talking about the psychological part of the animal. We're not talking about the anatomy or the physics about it. We're talking about the psychological. You know, what is that animal thinking? How does it how does it calculate? How does it think? What it, what is it thinking when it smells that scent? You see what I'm saying? I've I sat out there in the woods and have deer. I've had a, a doe come up to me that when I've stood perfectly still, and I know I had a strong scent, and come within 10 feet of me before I moved my hand, and it finally left the area. I've had moose come up to me. I've fallen asleep next to a tree and have had moose come right up to me and sniffing me and almost, you know, knocked me in the next week once I moved and realized it was standing there. I mean, so... I went to a track school to where you had to graduate, you had to touch the deer. <laughs> yeah, no, and, no. you know, so... <laughs> so it, true. You had to touch, you had to touch the deer. You had to touch well, a piece of the deer. You had now, to touch it before you now, could graduate. G- yeah. Gentlemen, I have a question. I have a question for Beth out of the chat room. This comes from our good friend, uh, Blue Goose, and uh, the question is, um, did... Your food, your food stations attract attention. Well, I I'm did answer. Sure. I yeah. did answer it. It, um, it had two trail cams from different angles looking at the food station, and um, fortunately, the table was up high enough so that raccoons couldn't get. There was metal um, posts being used, so the raccoons couldn't shimmy up it. Um, and I had a um, a, a milk carton, a plastic milk carton, over on top of the food with um and they had holes in there so the crows couldn't get it um and i always had something on top of it and i got a lot of deer looking up at it uh raccoons um and um there were a few times when the cameras both shut off at the 
same time for a couple of days, and they both started again, and there was no food. <laughs> and I was using um, peanut butter and honey sandwiches sometimes. So, I mean, that's Pardon? Well, there's your, there, there's the answer. You know, what it would you use as bait? That was my next pop. So, yeah, yeah, I used that. I used um, different types of things. Cake. I did cake one time. I had leftover um, birthday cake, and used that. Um, anything that may attract the smell. But then we don't know how good their smell is. You know, I mean, it's a it's, it's a guessing game. That's what it is. It's playing roulette. Um, and, and what I hope more than anything else is that, in, you know, there's so many people that squabble over the simplest little things or they hang on to stuff, you know, and they get upset at people. I, I wish more people would just get together and just say, hey, this is the information I have. You know, here it is. Do with it with whatever you want with it, but there it is. And maybe there's some collaboration on it or not. But, you know, it, we're all looking for the same object and understanding and um and, uh, yeah, so, okay, I'll move off my little soapbox. <laughs> okay, so, and I just had a board crash on me. I have two boards up, and one of them just went on me. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered what that was. So. What do you need me to cover, uh, Steve? Uh, just continue on with our discussion. Let me get this other board up. Because I have no switchboard right now. Oh, okay. okay. I have the chat room with no switchboard. Yeah, the chat room. <laughs> but, um... There was another question. Well, here's one. Here's one for you. Uh, he said, uh, we only got, I don't know how many minutes we got left because the switchboard, uh, we got eight minutes left. So we, we got, we got about five minutes left to show. So let me ask you, uh, you spent this weekend with Bob Gimlin. How was that? Oh, not this week. No, unfortunately he couldn't make oh. it. No, that I've, I have, um, uh, I do know Bob. Um, I've had the pleasure. I met him during the Yakima roundup, uh, last May. And since that time, I've had the pleasure of his company, uh, a few other times also. So, yes, Bob Gimlin, what a gracious man. Very, very gracious. Yes. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, kind of have looked at it as hero worship. But I don't know. Uh, you know, the guy has been a part of this history for some 45 years. So I, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I can understand why some people would be very mesmerized by, you know, spending time with him and, what are you saying, huh? No, you know something, what, what's so nice about Bob is that he's just genuine. Uh, you know, yeah. I, if there shows that hero worship him, well, then I, I suppose so. He's just an average Joe. And oh. just enjoy, he enjoys more hearing other people's stories. He loves it. Yep. And uh, from what I heard, he's the nicest guy in the world, too. And that's, you know. He is. Yep. Even when you try and shake his bad hand, he's still understanding. Which <laughs> when you do it three times in a row, and it's like, oh, hello. <laughs> Had that happen in Ohio. I kept trying to shake his hand in the sling, and I don't know why. I did it three times, and I think, oh, God, this guy's just got to think I'm an absolute idiot. It was fun nonetheless. <laughs> oh, isn't he, he though? Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was, he was well, he, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh, well, the final question, of course, is, is from Bill Green. I've been saving this one. But, you know, are you investigating anything new? Always. <laughs> Always. You know, I have I have some great activity that just um, close near where I live at. There's a gentleman, Mr. Dobbs, um, older gentleman, he, um, and I'll be real quick about this, I got a hold of him just because somebody gave me his name, said he's, he likes Sasquatching, and he's uh, 81 years old, he has some property three miles from my place, and he has an orchard on and so every fall he's out there, and the hills, the hills just butt up to where I live at, so, and then all of a sudden there are the Olympics, um, so they're, they're just right in my backyard. And so he said, you know, every, every fall around October, November, I start hearing these cooing sounds, and they're going back and forth. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, I'll, I'll check it out. So he called me up 
um, this last fall um, and said, Beth, they're doing it. Come on down. So I sat on his front porch, and sure enough, up and the, the first hill is over 2,000 feet high elevation. And sure enough, there's this sound coming down into the valley, and um, this whoo, long, deep whoo, and then pretty soon there was one closer to us that was whooing right back up again. And, and, and I will say this. I have studied the owl. We have a barred owl here in Washington. I'm sure in other places, too, that can sound just like a monkey. And that sucker fooled me. <laughs> the first time I ever heard it, I thought it was Sasquatch going off. It was a monkey. It was, it was a barred, two barred owls. You know, okay, well, I, we got, we, well, uh, Shane, I'd love to ch- chat, but oh, we're just about out of time, actually. Oh, you got <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you letting me call in, Steve, oh, and uh, it was great oh, hearing no, you, brother. Beth. You guys have, have a great oh. evening, and uh, stay safe thank out there, you, Beth. Shane. Oh, thank Bye. you. It was right. nice talking with you. All right, nice. All right, sh- take care, Shane. And, um, well, oh, Beth, uh, we're, we're just about here at the end of the road for the show this week. And uh, mm. I, I want to thank I want to thank you uh, for coming on. It's been a, a great journey, some great discussion, some some great encounters, and uh, that's that's what we're about. Um, <clears throat> quick quick question from the chat room before we go was: Have you uh-huh. ever heard of a of Cornelius Pass in Portland, near Portland, Oregon? Cornelius Pass. Pass. Yeah. No, yep. I haven't. Okay, well, pa- apparently one of the, our chat room folks, uh, the Babette Bombshell, is saying uh, that she had a sighting near Portland on a road. And, uh, you know, Babette, we'd love you to come on sometime and, uh, and, and, just, and you know, throw us your encounter. That would be a wonderful thing. So uh, you know how to get a hold of us, uh, SquatchTechRadio.com. Get on that site. You can contact us through there or SquatchTechNet.com. So give us a shot. We'd love to hear your, your story as well. And because uh, that's what this show is about here, here in the uh, the the encounters and and you know trying to make sense of some of them, and uh, yeah. of course you can't make sense of all of them. That, that's definitely for sure. But Beth, thanks so much for coming on. Well, thank and, you for uh, inviting me. I've enjoyed myself. Right? We, we've enjoyed we've enjoyed you. Yes, I know, Eugene. <laughs> um. <laughs> um but anyway, next week uh, we're, we'll be working on uh, potentially another uh, encounter witness. So uh, not going to be much on that. It was actually a vocalization encounter. So we'll get to that. And uh, what can I say? Big G, final thoughts? Hey, no, that was very, very informative. Beth, uh, I envy you uh, immensely. And I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank everybody that called in. And I want to thank the uh, through the chat room for all the great questions and conversation. And without you people, we wouldn't be here. So thanks to everyone. Steve, right back to you. All right, folks, we'll catch you all next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, Squatch Deck to Radio. And, uh, hey, Bad Bet, we'd love to hear from you, so give me a shout. We'll talk to you soon, folks. Everybody, peace, good night, and God bless. Some kind of way out of here Said a joker to the beat There's too much confusion I can't get no relief Business man there Drink my wine Come and